I found like, hey, you know who I don't have to worry about is this kid that's in the gym all the time. But in this kid that's always in my office, oh my gosh, he's a problem. When really the, the truth was the kid that's in my office kind of knew himself better because he was in there like, I need coach. I have these needs. And a lot of the times my guys that were in the gym all by themselves, that was their numbing mechanism. My name is Ashanti, and welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast, where men get real. Men of all ages and backgrounds come together to this conversation to talk about the masks that we wear. When we describe the mask, we talk about the front of the mask being, what are the things that I gladly let the world see? That's the front of the mask. And the back of the mask are, what are those things that I don't talk much about? I don't share about, I don't let people know about. Maybe ask yourself right now, what mask am I wearing? What are the things that you're gladly talking to people about on a regular basis, texting about? What are the things that you're not discussing? Today, sharing his mask is Kip Ione. I want to read you something from Kip's bio uh, that's really inspiring to me. A former NCAA head hoops coach for 14 years who spent the last 10 years of his career crafting a framework of coaching designed to empower coaches to male sports teams to enlighten their players to the power of reimagining manhood. Based on the realization that many of the behaviors men commit that harm others are rooted in chasing and proving a false socialized idea of what it means to be a man. That's when he created the teams of men. You know, let me be clear. Whether you were an athlete or not, whether you like sports or not, you have also been giving rules of what it means to be socialized if you identify as a man. And in these conversations that we have with men all over the world, it's a place for men to talk about the way that we were socialized to operate and live in this body. You know, in this conversation, you're going to hear Kip mention Joe Ehrman. And I had the pleasure to meet Joe Ehrman, who was also featured in the documentary, The Mask You Live In because he has a program around supporting coaches to be better serve their athletes. In many communities, coaches are seen as the epitome of what it means to be a man who are training young men and boys to be their best selves on the field. And sometimes we have experience where those coaches don't often do the same coaching for boys and young men off the field. So this conversation is really powerful. He made me think of Joe Ehrman when we had a conversation and I had in a mental note to contact Joe Ehrman and I didn't do it. So after this intro, I'm going to go and reach out to Joe Ehrman, who has been a great mentor in my life since I met him in 2015. So today, you get to enjoy this conversation with myself and Kip Ione. You know, he talks about his relationship with his father and him being an athlete growing up and then going off to becoming a coach and all the things that go with having the expectations of family on you, having expectations of friends on you, having expectations of community on you. And so I hope that as you are out operating in the world, you have been clear about what expectations you have for yourself. What are the ways that you show your values in the world? These conversations that we have are ways of us recognizing there's so much more to each of us than anybody can see by looking at us. And oftentimes we judge everything with what we see with our eyes. And so I hope that if you have not yet made a mask, that you'll do it today. You can go to millionmask.org. 
You can make your mask anonymously. Um, and in this conversation, Kip and I are going to share our masks publicly. You don't have to do it publicly. But if you get inspired to not only make a mask, but to share it, we invite you to be a part of the global movement around the Million Mask Movement. We have just launched the Global Champions Program, and you can be a global champion. You know what it takes? It's actually pretty simple. We invite you to work with five people in your friend group, family group, to make a mask. That's it. Five. You can do more. More is great, but we're not asking you to do more. And I I'm not trying to give you an explanation of how to do it right here on this intro, but I do want you to know that we are trying to make it easier for people around the world to be a part of this movement with us. Please enjoy today's episode with Kip Ione, and we look forward to you being a part of the Million Mask Movement. Thank you, folks. Enjoy today's episode. Kip Ione, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. It is so glad to have you here. Thank you for the space, man. I know we've been going back and forth like a month or so trying to figure out schedules. So I appreciate you being flexible and finding time to get me on here. But I'm excited to be here. I think it happens sometimes. Like, I mean, especially today, right? We, we we text messages back and forth to our friends. We're like, hey, let's get together. And then a month later, you're like, we still haven't gotten together. And you're like, oh, yeah, we haven't. We could have just talked on that. We could have just texted each other for the last month, right? Right, exactly. But, but, but these conversations are just as real as we can make them in. Thank you uh, for being here with us. Will, will you let folks know before we jump into these masks, like what you want them to know about you? What's important to know as we jump into this conversation? Yeah, you know, Kip, I own, you know, I, I, I think the ways that I go about all the hats we wear or, you know, the, the, the roles I play throughout the day, husband and father, my wife and I are coming up on our 20th anniversary. She's put up with me that long, right? She's a saint. She deserves all the gifts that I won't be able to, to get her. Three kids, 16-year-old son, 14-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old son. So I'm driving a minivan around, keeping myself busy, and an Uber that doesn't get paid, right? And then, you know, really what, you know, I think brings me to this space with you is, you know, for 22 years, I was in the athletic NCAA college basketball athletics realm as an assistant coach and 14 years as a head coach. And throughout that time, you know, was really in the business of trying to mold better men. You know, and I think I had to come to some realizations that we'll get into that I was failing at that for a long time, that I was really scoreboard dependent and driven by outcomes on blinking lights on the end of a Friday or Saturday night. And after some real conversations and reflections with myself and some things going on in the community that I was in shifted. And that's kind of led me to where I am today, which is the founder and lead facilitator for teams of men. Uh, and we strive to empower coaches of male sports teams, whether that's, you know, could be soccer, hoops, baseball, basketball, wherever men gather and play a sport, they have a coach. And Teams of Men is trying to empower coaches to really enlighten the players on their team to what a reimagined manhood could be. And I think that's where my connection points to you were in some of my past work with my own team that I had for 14 years was obviously the mask you live in, seeing your work there was, you know, I heard you on the We Are Man Enough podcast which is another go-to for me. Um, but that really, that's the space I'm, I'm entering in now and doing full-time is, is helping coaches and young men across the country like, hey, your team is a platform of change. Your, invite, your team room can be platforms and launch pads of awesomeness instead of the places of perpetration we often see that can happen if we're not intentional about it. So that's the challenge that I'm taking on. You know, that's that's part of the reason I'm here, because I know you're one of the voices and some of the expertise that you have and being in those rooms is something that inspires me, man. And, and I'm, ex I'm excited to be here. And I think the, the mask concept is so spot on. 
you know, with my years of working with 19 through 22 year olds. And now, you know, high school through 22 year olds, uh, the kids are wearing them. They're bringing them into the spaces, whether they know it or not. Uh, and I'm sure I do, too, to some extent still. Right. So, man, just that's that's me kind of in a, in a nutshell. And my vision, what I'm trying to do is is make this the norm for coaches. You know, make this is like, hey, are you certified in teams of men? Are you certified in, in reimagining a manhood of empathy and compassion, emotional fluency? Because I already know you're an expert in third down blitzes. I already know you're an expert mm -hmm. in ball screen defense. That's awesome. <laughs> you bring that to the table yourself. I'm trying to help you with the stuff that actually I think matters more. I'll come back to this after we do the math. Teams of men yep. is training the adults. I, that's my vision. My vision yeah. is currently how we assist a lot of places, whether it's with college teams or high school teams, some college campuses, some high schools in general, is we get sessions with the players. My hope is, coach, stay in the room. Stay here while I do the work that the coach already kind of identified. Kip, I think my guys need some help with X, Y, Z. A lot of times coaches walk out the back door, right? They, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I think that's out of some, some – they've told me, Kip, I want them to be honest with you. But then I kind of push back, like, if they can't be honest in front of you, do you really have the culture you want? You know, coaches are mm. – that's the buzzword in coaching and athletics. And I believe in it, like culture of authenticity, culture of trust. Well, if you can't, they can't be honest about these heavy hitting topics around manhood, sexual violence prevention, leadership with you in the room, then you don't have that. And I think when coaches walk out the back door, they're co-signing that this stuff isn't as vital as what practice is about to be, where he's about to go set up some code. So there's, there's versions of us. Our in-person stuff a lot is with the players. I'm building capacity for coaches, either in modeling the lessons you know, we have a membership program, we have curriculum we can share, but I would love to eventually leave the room entirely, right? Mm -hmm. I'd love to run three, four sessions with their team and then be like, coach, you got this, man. You're ready. Yeah. I gave you yeah, some prompts. Yeah. I gave you some modeling, but man, this is your team. I can stay and help facilitate, but eventually I'd like to be where the way I was running it for a decade with my own team is this is what we do. This is what my team, my staff, this is our norm. Our norm is heavy conversations. Our norm is in film. Uh-oh, Kip spliced in something from Ashanti. Mm -hmm. Kip spliced in something from Joe Ehrman in the middle of film. Mm -hmm. uh, and it got to be where our guys were like, Coach, you haven't done teams of men stuff in like two weeks. What's going on, man? You're slipping. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I'd like that to be the norm. It's not right now. A lot of my stuff is me forward-facing, you know, speaking and, and running lessons, which I love because then I get to be in front of young men. But I also know the true transformation, in my opinion, is from the coaches. The kids trust them, especially in the college setting. They, they picked you in recruiting because they have a level of trust with you and your staff. You're the catalyst of change they believe in. So hopefully if I can empower you to do this work long after I take the next flight somewhere, we'll see that true change because they're, they're deep diving with you, somebody they love in their life, right? Often a male figure in their life that they revere. So let's, let's let, I'm trying to help coaches stand in that power. I think some of them don't recognize that they have it in this space. They know they have yeah. it between the lines. They know they have it with the whistle, but you have it too, just sitting in your office on the couch talking to a young man. You have that. What are, where are you going with that power? Invoked a name that uh, really touches my heart, Joe Ehrman. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity to meet him at the Sundance Film Festival when the documentary came out. So uh, I'm going to actually reach out to him today. I've got a note on my note right here. Call Joe today, see how he's doing. Yes. But, Thanks for naming him. And um, we're going to jump in. So I, I think the, the way that it works is 
the guest decides who goes first. So you're our guest. And so you get to decide, do you want me to go first with the mask? Do you want to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first just so I can get my nerves out the way. Right? Okay. <laughs> right. Fantastic. That's how we do it. So you go, to, we'll do the front and then I'll do the front and then you go to the back and we'll okay. go back. So this, I actually, I use the website, right? Plug to your website because I'm not a great drawer, but the website allowed me to create some stuff. So I put on my mask. So I, this is something I didn't even really share with my wife probably till a couple of dates in to where we were starting to get to know each other. I have a 6,000 issue comic collection. So I grew wow. up like this huge comic book. You know, I think I called myself a nerd, but now in the 21st century, Marvel and DC, that's like the big things. Back when I was growing up, I was like, you got what, bro? You got Batman in your room? You're 16 years old. But so I frame my mask around superheroes. So the front side that I, you know, I'm a, so I, I drew Batman's mask with a little bit of Green Lantern's power ring, a little Black Panther on the front, and then my beard just to make sure it was a little bit me. But I think the mm. mask I try to show folks is I want to be innovative and intentive intentional about everything. So that's the Batman planning. Like I want my kids to think dad's got a plan. My wife to think Kip can solve it. I wanted my players to think coach will figure it out. Right. So I wanted to be like that go-to solution. And I, I don't mind showing people that like, Hey man, bring me your problems. I'm here to help. I can do that. Green Lantern superpower with the ring is whatever his will is, he can just make it. And so I've always kind of envisioned myself like, you know what, if I put my mind to it, I'll just through sheer will make this happen. Now, the realities of that came far short, but that's the part of Green Lantern that always spoke to me was like, man, just through want, he can make something happen. And then the mm. Black Panther part that I think probably comes from my pops and my mom driving this home, my dad's Samoan, American Samoan and, and family's everything in the Polynesian culture. So in the Black Panther speaking of protecting a legacy of the family, uh, that speaks to me. And that's something that, that I'm not ashamed to show people. And I think was what I tried, how I tried to coach, how I tried to parent is like, hey, family first, family legacy, all those types of things. So for me, my mask was actually the front side, like everybody, was pretty easy for me. Like, I'll show you this. I want to be your, I want to create solutions for you. I have a plan for you and I'll make it happen just out of sheer will. And in the, in the grand scheme of things, let me love up my, love up my family first. Mm. Oh, we beautiful, man, 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 man. That was powerful. First of all, thank Appreciate you. Thank you for the, yeah. thank you for the, the superhero invoking. Um, I think um, I can, I can almost envision like a, a superhero created in though, in that image, right? Yeah. Like what would it look like to, and how often could we use the model of superheroes to help people find their voice and find their, their, the things that they are running from, the things that they're afraid of, that their own kryptonite, their own, demons their own dark side like yeah and how do we not make it a bad thing how do we make right. it a part of our our existence it right. is what makes us so great and so amazing that we have these other parts to us as well i think some when those characters are written well right and that's a mm. debate for another pod but sometimes i think their journey through who am i without this mask or who am i which side of me is actually the dominant force of me i think when batman's written well that's a really interesting journey arc, right? Like, are you actually Bruce Wayne or are you actually Batman and Bruce Wayne's the mask? So I think your ex exercise sometimes for kids could be that too. Like, am I this super, in my world, is, am I this superhero athlete? Is that me? Or is that the mm. mask I put on and I'm actually this person? Or, or is it healthier to be, you know, all those questions I think are, 
when it's done right, comics help you explore that in a lot of ways. I'm going to come back to that because you talked about the collection, but I'm going to have, um, I'm going to come back to that after okay. we do the mask. Cause I think, yeah, something around the, co- co- uh, the comic books is, uh, is ringing a bell right here. So yeah, today's today, today, I don't know what I was, what I was doing today, but this is the mask today. This is, this is what I drew. Gotcha. Um, pretty silently. There's no mouth really, right? I don't know. What yeah. Like. There's no, and I think lately, if I think about the mask, um, I've been like head down to the, to the work. So I wrote dedicated, determined, and purpose. Um, and I was going to write desire, but I was like, how do you write desire? What is it? Well, how do you show desire? But I think when I think about desire, dedication, and determination, those three words, um, when I first thought I was going to be a motivational speaker in a world, I, Les Brown was my inspiration. And I would write my own little talks. And um, this is, I was in college, so I was just, what am I, I'm an engineer. So what am I going to, what are you talking about? You, you got to, you had to sit in the desk <laughs> and make make buildings, you know, like right. stop all this positive talk. You go go design that that structure, please. But I think deep down, even when I when when I was getting my way through college with this VHS of S. Brown that I played until it broke, it was like desire, dedication, determination. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay positive. And I think that sometimes to a fault. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes to a fault of not dealing with my my needs, mm-hmm. with what is important to me, because I'm trying to keep everything positive. Yeah, and I think that what I've learned, not being being very reflective as of late, you know, in the last ten, fifteen years of my life, like I I numbed out all the stuff that probably needed attention in those first many years. First from training, yeah, right as a little. A boy growing up in Oakland, California, suck it up. Mm-hmm. Men don't cry. Don't show no feelings. If you got feelings, no one sees it. And then you're like, what do I do with all these feelings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, right? So I'm always trying to stuff them and ignore them and deny them and numb them. Mm-hmm. And, what I, and what, I, what I see today with a lot of our young men, because in California, you know, numbing substances are legal. So they can go and just get it from their homie, a little piece of chocolate, a little piece of gum, a little piece of candy, a little piece of cookie. And now they're all the while, all the day walking around numb. And you ask them a question, they can't, they can barely answer it because they, they don't even know how they feel. And they're always good and fine and cool because they've ignored the fact that they're dealing, not dealing with the stuff that needs to be dealt with. Oh, yeah. And, and we see over and over again how whether you're a multimillionaire athlete or you're a CEO or you're just a, a person in the community, like it's going to catch up to you at some point. Yes. I mean, the stuff you ignore and deny is like sweeping that that dirt in the under the rug. Eventually, you're gonna have a big pile of a big a big lump underneath the rug. You're like, what's that lump under the rug right there? Ah, oh, you don't see that. Right. <laughs> ignore that, right? But it's right. it's it's gonna get it's gonna have to get dealt with at some point. You know. You know what? You made me your story made me think about in the athletic vein, especially the last six seven years. I mean, I'm speaking from the hoop side of things, right? Is the grind culture? If you're not on your grind. You're not going to be the player you want to be. And then when you mention numb, I think a lot of my players, and these are the ones that I would have associated before diving into the work, like you mentioned, you know, we're all masters in the making, so we got to stay students engaging. I, I found like, hey, you know who I don't have to worry about is this kid that's in the gym all the time. But in this kid that's always in my office, oh my gosh, he's a problem. When really the, the truth was the kid that's in my office kind of knew himself better. Because he was in there like, I need coach. I have these needs. 
And a lot of the times my guys that were in the gym all by themselves, that was their numbing mechanism. Not that it, it wasn't helping them in some capacity become a better shooter, let's say. But it also sometimes was their escape. And I'm not sure they loved basketball as much as they loved the numbing of their mind through the monotony of being on the gun and just shooting a thousand times. And, and I would tell them, oh, that kid's not in trouble. He's so, I know where he is. He's not doing bad things. And maybe there was some truth, but there was also like, holy cow, does he have any other mechanism? Can he mm. speak to his feelings? Does he have fluency? I'm actually kind of worried that that's his only safe space now in the world because eventually this game goes away. You know, I can't go to the gym now when my son's, you know, my youngest son has, is on the autism spectrum. So when he has a behavior flare up, I can't just run to the gym in silence and leave my wife alone to deal with. It. So that it's like this, when you spoke to that, that really had me thinking about in my spaces that I'm coming from, sometimes the sport's the numbing mechanism and we don't teach them that it's going to, that sport has a limited shelf life of effectiveness. Mm. And I wonder even thinking about that, I mean, we think about athletes, we think about what, because we see them on the TV and we have many of them who talk about their story of like, sports saved me, right? It kept me out of, out of some of the elements that I could have been in. It saved me. And I think for some, and definitely long time ago, there was less other um, stimuluses and other dopamine hits of, of addiction that comes in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a new day today where you're kind of, if you're, on, if you're in the social media world where most people are, most young people are, you're always in a state of being judged. Now, you could have a, a very healthy relationship with being judged. You could say, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. And some don't. <laughs> but the question is, if you are a person who's human and who like wants connection, to have a bunch of people not liking you is, is challenging. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you may do the opposite of what you need to do for yourself because you're worried about what people are going to say. And I know I've done that for myself, not just thinking about them. I'm, I'm constantly debating, second guessing, fearing, like speaking out about topics because I don't want to make people mad. I don't want to mess up my donors. I'm, I'm running mm. a nonprofit here. I'm trying to, and I'm like, yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like a coward sometimes. So oh, I think I that, 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 that is the work too, right? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm silencing myself. No one is really doing it. I'm saying that it's other people's influence that's causing me not to say anything about these topics. And then I realize, no, I, really, I, really, I, I feel something about this. And not that everything you feel needs to be said out loud, right? But I mean, I, I think there's some truth to that too. But for the things that are like, if, if you believe in people, I believe in people. If I want to help people, like, I can't sit around and say, watch what's happening in our world. And I stay silent. And I just say, well, somebody else is going to step up and be the, be the revolutionary for this cause. I'm, I'm just, I'll just watch it and complain to myself in the car while I listen to the news or whatever. But I'm not going to put myself out there to get ridiculed. Yeah. Sometimes it's something that I'm, I'm having to navigate. So you know what that it makes somebody, a professional friend of mine, colleague, Jen Fry, phenomenal DEI con, con, uh, presentator in the athletic college, athletic department space cross country. She said something that you were taught when you were speaking, had me thinking of allies don't take up space. They take up risk, but sometimes mm. that's tough, right? Cause you recognize it. You just spoke to man, I'm going to say this. And I know something's coming back at me. And that's the hard jump. And I, I've shrunk in that moment myself, too. Absolutely. Mm, man. Okay. Well, that was only the front. So we still, awesome. now, we got, now we got the back. So, yeah. And you, you are first. I'm, so I, I wrote the, on the back, 
I wrote Unworthy of Belief, Weak with Self-Doubt, and The Legacy Ball Dropper. And those take up a lot of my thought, right? Having anxiety anyway. A lot of folks throughout my life, man, I got to say, I'm blessed with belief systems. Like I got a lot of people that have been in my corner. And even in this transition, when I got let go from being a head coach for 14 years, everybody's like, Kip, you're going to be fine, man. Nobody's more capable. Kip, you're ready, man. You got so many skills. Don't stress it. And I was like, man, I thank you. But I don't know if I believe that about me. Right. I don't know if I believe in all these people. I, I don't know if I'm worthy of all of you mm. pouring into me. Right. That that was like that still gets me. Right. And part of what we talked about in the first section, you know, like I can't be sitting here lazy. I better get my ass to that computer and figure something out. People believe in me. But what if I just needed rest today? I don't know if they believed in the rest. You know, I have these conversations with myself. For me, self-doubt. In the entrepreneurial space now, there's a ton of that, right? Am I validated only by revenue and dollars? Am I validated by likes and retweets? Am I valid? You know, how do I find that I'm actually doing something worth a damn? But also in my previous career, man, I lost a lot, man. I lost 200 freaking games and that was heavy. Like I'm pouring my soul into this. Am I just a horrible coach, right? Am I just really bad at this? I carry that with me still. You know, I think that bleeds over into parenting. Where are my kids headed? What are they doing? Did I did I parent today the way I coached? Like I poured all this into players. What the hell did I do with my three offspring that are in my house? So that, you know, that's followed me around a lot that I don't like to show people. And then the last one is just heavy on me. Like my dad, my dad is like my idol, right? My pops immigrated from American Samoa when he was 10 with his brothers and his family. They moved into, you know, poor parts of Los Angeles. He went to East L.A. Juco, got himself a scholarship all the way to the snow in the mountains in Montana, was an All-American in basketball, and then crafted this legacy, like in our community in Billings, Montana. My pops is like everybody's coach, like everybody knows my dad. And then mm-hmm. added that, my little brother played, had a cup of tea in the NFL and is a defensive coordinator, Division One co-defensive coordinator, Boise State, like He's a Hall of Fame player at Montana State. Like, am I? Who the hell am I? I'm supposed to be the oldest brother, the legacy driver, right? Like, where do I fit in this scenario between these two pillars of accomplishment who I love dearly? And they don't judge me, but I judge the hell out of myself, right? Like, I was a D3 athlete. Like, oh, I just got fired. Kane ain't never been fired. You know, my pops. And then my dad, too, like, throw in my dad is suffering from Alzheimer's now. So it's like, who's carrying this torch? Because pops can no longer pass the wisdom on. The way he used to. Who's doing this, man? Are you doing this? Are you doing it right? Are you doing it well? Those I, I say a lot to myself, like, man, you wouldn't be friends with you. You're a mm. great friend to people, but you are my internal voice is a, is a terrible friend to me. He don't believe in me. He don't have confidence in me. I gotta I gotta find a way to shift him or get him the hell out, right? Because uh, I got better friends in the real world than myself to me. So that's that's you know that's the backside of my mask, man, and that's why I need the power ring. Black Panther and Batman's cape mm-hmm. on top of those. Wow. Thanks for I like the way you we brought that 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 those characters back in. I think, man, okay. Um, okay. Now you, you I've always tried to like because I've I make the mask all the time. Um, first of all, thank you. First of all, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for um sharing about your dad. And I really appreciate you bringing presencing him in the space. Um and so I uh, thank you. When you said you would not be a good friend to you, you are not a good friend to you. I, I think about that 
a lot. I think about and people who we talk to in this in this conversations who are coaches, who are leaders, who are um, in the service industry of serving others and helping others. Sometimes they're and we I'm saying they're, but I'm one of them. So we may take care of ourselves least mm -hmm. last when the, with the leftover energy, with the reserves at the end of the day, with whatever I can muster out at the end of, but after everyone else is taken care of. And then we're wondering why some of the things that we really want to be doing, I keep on going back to I, cause I, it's not, it's not, it's the things that I want to be doing, I'm not making time for. So, so when I, so I'm going to, I'm going to go to the back and I was just kind of put it in here. I have a blank in here for a purpose. So I put doubt, put self doubt and I put world doubt. Like I'm, I'll come back to that. The blank is going to be probably connected to this book that's still not written. That's <laughs> still, still missing. Still, still see it. <laughs> You're like, there's something there, isn't it? Yeah, it's, but it's not there. <laughs> not, <laughs> you know, like if I, if I think about my, my, my vision is to like every morning get up and write at least half an hour. I didn't do it this morning. I got up <laughs> early enough and then I was doing stuff, checking in with team members, doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Again, 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 others before self. And I yeah. think in some context, people use that as a badge of honor. Like, I take care of all these people. I help all these people. And at the end of the day, when I, when I think back, I'm like, but I'm also not serving myself. And so that's important. And then you, you said in this, um, you said I can't be lazy, but what I wrote is, so I stay busy. Yes. So I stay busy all the time because I'm afraid of, the fear of like what it means, what it meant in my house to be lazy, what it meant to be sitting around doing nothing. Like I think my mom had an allergy to laziness mm -hmm. and, and anytime you weren't moving, if you, if your body was still that her definition was lazy, <laughs> <laughs> you could have just like wiped every wall it, surface in that home. And then you lay down on the floor. You're like, Oh, She'll pass by. He's like, what are you doing in there? There's something to do. And you're like, right. I, I just got off the ladder. I just got off the ladder. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just like, what's going on here? And it's a program. It's a program, a deep program that I don't need anymore. Mm. But I still play it on auto. It's like on rewind over and over and over. I try to lie to myself on that exact thing. I try to lie to myself that, well, you know, I find stillness in activity, but actually I think I'm terrified of stillness, right? Like I just, I'm, I'm terrified of sitting with me sometimes. And I, you know, that's kind of a, in the work I do, I use the, here's what's crazy. You're going to love this. I use that line on coaches and players. I use it like, yo, one of the most dangerous, a lot of the ills in the world are the result of a dude can't sit with himself and his thoughts. Mm. And I'm telling others, this truth mm -hmm. and I can't sit with me very long. You know, I gotta be, mm -hmm. I'll go out, I'll go on a walk, I'll do, and I'm saying, no, I, my son needed me to go play. I needed to go do, I need to be on, I'll go do three more tweets because that's what we need to, if I just sat down, like I can nap, now don't get me wrong, I can nap with the best of them. My wife will tell you that, like, what are you talking about? You nap, you take two <laughs> naps a day. I think that might just be from end of capacity, right? I think that might just be work too empty. Mm -hmm. And then back to let's go, let's go, let's go. And thank you for naming that. Like when, like here's what people, when people, when people talk to me about they can't, they don't sleep well. I, I, I have empathy, but I have no understanding of that. <laughs> yes. 
Because right. if I sit, if I if I sit right now in this moment, if I just sit here about thirty five seconds with my eyes closed, my head will hit this computer. I will be knocked out. Like I I I'll fall asleep at, at any given moment. You just give me enough. I don't even yeah. need quiet. Yep. I've fallen asleep at Burning Man before. Yeah, but I can fall asleep in the in the in the middle of absolute madness. But I don't give myself a chance to slow down enough. So yeah. I'm just like boom. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, do, do, do. Like the guys in the gym who are always in the gym because it's like this idea of I stay busy, then no one can call me lazy. No one can think I'm not working hard enough. Maybe I was a fear of failure, so I don't want to fail. So I'm going to work harder than anybody else. I've heard Kobe say, you better work harder than anybody else. You better uh-huh. die on the treadmill. And you, you, you take these images and these messages from these people in pop culture and you, you wear them because you have heard that that's the only way to get ahead. And I think that, that there, there's, there's, there's always both sides. And sometimes people don't give themselves the other side, right? I think we never hear any of these professional people talk about taking naps. And, and maybe a few of them do when, they, when they're already famous and they're now reflecting back on their life after with their, with their jets and their, their helicopters. And they're like, oh, yeah, I took a nap once. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, of course I have to get my muscles rest, you know, like, right. like that's after, right? But while they're in the flow and the run and the run of the stuff, sometimes they almost seem superhuman, which is ironic, you know. And so, therefore, you say, "How can I ever do that?" Right? How can I? And in comparison is a thief of all happiness. Yes. So, therefore, if I'm listening to their their most aggressive messages about work hard, ethic all the time, never rest, don't ever give up, then I, I can also use that to a to a detriment. Doesn't that speak a little bit too? To and I I talk about this too, and like you said, this is me while I'm trying to help others do better than I do. There's a nuance to being an adult. Right. And I sometimes I think the celebrity quick hits or even the mantras that I tried to establish as a coach, because, you know, you walk into any team room in America, in any sport, there's some board post or something that's narrowed down the lived experience into a phrase. And that's easy because you can latch onto it. But really, in life, it's nuance. Right. Like sometimes the Mamba mentality on the treadmill, maybe I need that for about seven minutes. But if I live that, I'm going to exhaust myself. But when you were talking, I was thinking the other day, you know, men, and we'd like to be protectors. Coaches, we'd like to be protectors, right? But if we don't do this rest work, which you and I both admitted we're, we're horrible at, <laughs> we're terrible at it, mm-hmm. then we're not protecting our loved ones from ourselves. The first person that might damage them the, the heaviest as their coach, if I show up out of capacity in my past role to a practice and I'm overstressed, overtaxed because I kept the film on until three in the morning. I got up at 5 a.m. I did more, you know, I did all these things that I convinced myself is what Coach K would have done. And that's why he won all the championships. Not that he had seven D1 for, I mean, NBA draft picks on his roster, right? I, it's the work. But if I show <laughs> up exhausted and a young man comes in, I have zero capacity for what I normally would. And now I blow up and I drop F-bombs and I say all these horrible things to him. And I've just destroyed our relationship which I probably could do too at my house. Now I say all these things knowing full well that's the recipe to being better is refueling capacity, giving yourself a chance and I'm still bad at it. I'm still horrible at it, right? I still, I'm like, okay, you did a walk today. You did do a walk today. You listened to a podcast and you zoned out. That was your rest. That's what you get. Now go back to work. And I think we're talking about this work ethic because I think it's really powerful with, with, with sports. And I wonder, you know, now that you're in this you say corporate, you're in this entrepreneurial life, right? Like for me in the mask, one of the things you talked about when you talked about like you would not be a good friend to you. I was listening to someone the other day of this one. um, I went to a workshop and 
it was talking about like the mean friend, right? And how that person who and it's some it sometimes is our own self, right? Our own self is constantly being super like if if somebody if you watched like if almost like if you could be if you could be metacognitive, you know, like if you could be like take yourselves out of yourself and watch how you act. Like if you could just play out loud and maybe recording your phone, the words you say into yourself inside, and you were to like go into one of these apps, change the voice and play it, you would be like, that person is super mean. Yes. Like, you know, like like that person is super like maybe to the you may say more than mean. You may say that yeah. person is really hateful yes and i've found myself when i'm when i'm being really mindful of how i'm talking to myself no one hears it the things that are happening behind the mask that i'm i'm not usually very kind to myself yeah so and i think well i feel that right there i'm manipulative to myself i manipulate myself into thinking the only reason i got to where i am mm. is because of this critical voice in my head i manipulate myself into the you need more of this if you hadn't had mm. me kip when you were 12 you wouldn't have gone and donned more shots and that, then you would have never had college basketball. Then you would have never, right? So I, I, I feel that a hundred percent, like this voice in my head is cruel, but they would call themselves demanding. They would say, I'm calling you towards better and you wouldn't be here without me. But I think that's, I think they're lying. I just, I'm getting better at calling out their BS. I'm getting better at it. I'm not a professional at it, but I, I love your, I'd love that analogy of that's a, you know what? That might be a session. Hey, mm. let's take, I want you to just take the next minute with the young mm. men because they'll text yeah. it too, right? They'll use notes or whatever app instead of writing it down. Yeah, text yeah. Every single sentence that you've thought about yourself during this time. And now read it to your buddy. How long till he tries to fight you? Yeah. 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 I love that idea. And I wonder like when you think about the words, you say cruel, but they, but I tell myself that I'm being demanding. But therefore, I accept demanding. I wouldn't accept necessarily cruel. And I think that the relationship with coaches are, is really important in that, right? Because, because coaches have, some coaches were taught that the way you coach them is to make them feel, you, you got to break them down before you yes. build them up, right? There's, and if you ever join a fraternity, you know, they tell you that we got to, you got to make these into men, right? And you, and we have all these different situations in life, the boot camps, right? Those are all to like break you down so we can build you back up. Make you make you and take away the individual, make you a team, all the things that I think have good merit when used in the right moderation, mm -hmm. right? When used in the right context, when used with a healthy person who has done their own work. Yeah. But when the, but when it's handed to a person who is tyrant, who is who hasn't done their own emotional work, like it's never enough. You know, no 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 amount of breaking down is enough. No, he's not broken down enough. He's still too arrogant. He's still too has too much ego. He's still you know, right? Like, and so I think how many layers of that, of the words that we can get really clear about. I think when we do the workshops with with youth and young men and athletes and teachers and everyone around the mask, it's like, what's what's happening behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. What's like what's happening behind the scenes, like, and so those those players who, when you ask them how they're doing, they're always good, they're always cool, they're always fine, yeah. And you're like, I hope so. I hope. I'm I'm feeling something not, but you right. said you're good and you're cool and you're fine and okay, but I sense there's more. Do you find I I ran into when we talk about emotional range and fluency, right? Do you find in your sessions 
the catch-all term for the young man that I've been around is crazy. Yo, coach, that's crazy. And they could be meaning crazy is in something that they find sad, angry, you know, or it's something awesome and joyful, but they don't have even the vocabulary. No one's given them space to learn or practice words that actually speak their feelings. So they settle mm. on crazy. Even when I know a young man's on a couch and I can, I can picture him right now, he was so mad at me for what I was doing with his playing time. And obviously, mm-hmm. just because, but he could only coach this is just crazy. And I was like, no, you can tell me, like you can express to me. It doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind, but it's not crazy. Like it's actually rooted in a lot of quantitative analytics, but feel free to tell me like I'm feeling, you're, I'm feeling disloyalty from you, coach. I'm feeling misunderstood, you know, whatever. But he didn't have those phrases. And part of that's on me, I feel like. And then also what you mentioned with the coaching and the time. And I did this. I know I did this. I played for a Hall of Fame coach in college, national champion. But he was, I think he would say he was demanding, right? And he was upfront. He's a truth teller. Really, sometimes he was just me. But I think mm. we default to how we were coached or we default to, well, look how I turned out. I turned out I, I like where I'm at. So it must have been because of how I was coached or parented. When what if what if you're just really awesome and you succeeded in spite of those ways you were coached or parented? And I think that's hard for coaches. I know it was hard for me to come to the realization, like, I really respect this man that was a second father in my life. But I succeeded in spite of some coaching techniques that I don't want to emulate anymore. But it took me a while to get to that point, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, as you look back at some of those old, not only coaching videos, old movies, old clips, like there was a time when some of those things were okay. They were norm. And I think that what happens is as we evolve, some people have a hard time letting go of the way they were trained, right? Have a hard time getting away from how they were parented, right? And I think that happens not only with teaching, with parenting, with coaching, with mentoring, with with our society, it happens with yeah. in our, you know, in, in our politics, right? It's the way it's always been done. It's the way it's always been done. So let's just continue this old cycle. And I think it takes the discomfort of it's no longer going to work that way. It, it takes the courage of people to say, we will not accept it this way anymore. And I think that is how it works. And I think we have to, even for our own lives, like you making the transition, your friends who are like, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And then we may not want to hear that no more. Maybe they were too soon. Maybe they were toxically positive. Uh, they, they were you. like, you like I barely had time to, I barely had time to grieve the fact that I lost this next this opportunity. And you're telling me I'll be, I'm going to be great at the next thing. Slow down, <laughs> slow down. I don't need, I don't need you to fix this right now. I need, I need somebody who can hear me sit down with me in the mud for a minute. So I can just like, just be here. I don't need to stay here too long, but I need you not to come in here trying to tell me that I shouldn't feel what I'm feeling. That's a toxic positivity. That's so good. I think that was, is that Susan David too? Like that, that is such a great term. We do it as men and in sports, especially sports, we yeah. are over the top with our players. And I did it. Hey man, we got to move on to the next game. You don't get too high after win, too low after a loss. When maybe, maybe the key is actually, did we process either one? Uh, did we process it correctly out of our system? No matter what it was, instead of forced moving on. No, I love that. And I, and I know I did it. And I think men, sometimes we do it to each other. Because if I say, hey, Shanti, I want to sit in the mud with you. It's going to be weird for me. I'm not used to this at all. So I want to get you back up to, hey, let's talk about the Dodgers. Let's talk about Braun. 
because that's zero, right? That's neutral. Yeah. And, and, and I'm yeah. not saying like my boys that came to me after I got fired, they were trying to be there. In their way, that was the yeah. toolkit they had to be there for me. How they were like, um, how people helped them was just tell them good things, tell them good things. So they were trying, just didn't have the toolkits, didn't have the reps in what, you know, how we can do it. And I think it's from a, from a good place in the heart, yes. right? It comes from a good place in the heart in the sense that like what we need to know that we have people who can, like, I think the silence, what, I, what I've experienced in this work, definitely when I'm working with young men is like, if they're going through something and they start bringing up a topic and like, they know I'll ask more questions, right? But how, how long can we handle silence? Mm. Like they, they just said something, they dropped a load on you. And as adults, as friends, as people who care about them, how quickly do we have, do we feel the need for our own, our own selves, not for what they need to go into the solution? And, to, and, to, and sometimes we, we want the solution. Oh, I already see the solution for you. Here's what you should do. And they're like, um, I haven't even finished telling you what happened. <laughs> like, you're like, you're, how do you have the solution? I, I, I haven't finished the story yet. You're like, why well, don't you do the rest of the story? I already know where we're going. And then you end up jumping in and you're like, <laughs> and I've, I've learned that yeah, I want to say something right now. Quiet. And I was, even if the, even if we have the car has to be silent for two minutes and I really want to say something, I really want to say something. And I'll just say, is there anything else you want to say about this? Is there anything else you want to tell me? I'll try and like be curious. Okay. And then, and then it, my, my, my intuition is the helper. I, I, I'm helping the best helper. <laughs> I, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, so I have to resist, like, so I have to say like something like, so tell me, what would you, what, what would support you for me right now? Are you looking for my thoughts? Are you looking for my, some advice? Like, tell me what you need from me. And sometimes they'll be like, I just need to like talk about it. I just need to let it out. And I'm like, ask me for my opinion, please. <laughs> just ask me, ask me for my opinion. <laughs> I got an opinion right here, but, but to like let them have it the way they need it. Okay. I just need to vent. Okay. And you, this is your vent time. Great. Well, let me know if you need something. If something comes up and you need something. And I think I have at the end of those times felt really good that I didn't, begin offering a bunch of stuff because they just sometimes needed a room to let go of some of the steam. So they had more room to deal with whatever's coming next. Yeah. Oh, I think that come, I, that I had me thinking we, I probably as a man think my value is in the friendship is only in giving you advice. I don't see my value to you as a space holder. That's hard for me to give myself like points. I was a good friend today to my guy who was down by just being there. That's hard for us. And when you were talking about silence, oh my goodness, did I have to learn this when I adopted this kind of my, this framework for coaching with my players? Because I, in the beginning, I was like, I'm used to instant feedback. If the meeting or the session is going well, when I call on somebody, this dude better have an answer. You better have it ready for what the defense was he messed up. But then I was like, Kip, man, in these sessions, like you're asking him to critically reflect upon his father who he loves more than anything in the world. And you want this 18, 19 year old to have an answer right away? Shut your face. But that was hard for me to embrace the silence for my own self as the presenter because, oh my gosh, they're not listening. They're ignoring me. They're not. No, they're sitting with it. And just because they can and you can't, Kip, be quiet. Man, oh man. Listen, uh, I, I, I want to respect your time because I made a commitment of getting you out of here on time. But listen, I, I hope this is just the beginning yes, of these conversations. <laughs> I hope as. The work that you're doing around with uh, coaches, with leaders, with teams, with those men who are leading or whether you teach all kind of folks. I really hope that we have more people who who can make that transition to say, 
It is time to do it differently. And it, I think we need to do that not only in maybe in some, I, I, I played sports, but I was never a coach. But as a teacher, like I know that we need to do teaching differently. We need to have teachers who have more than just the know-how of how to run a play. They know how to build community and build relationships. They know how to lead with, with love and empathy. And whether they use those words or not, that it, the energy from them comes as a place of like healing. And so we need it. Our world needs it more than ever. There's so much happening. And I think that that is part of uh, my work with this movement. And so, you know, as, as you know, I, we're, we're in this next chapter of this growth movement of this. We've been, I've been working really hard for the last, say, 2017 when we kind of kicked it off. I've been working really hard and now it's time to work smarter. And so we are in the next chapter. Will you let folks know, Kip, how they can find you, where are the places they can follow you, where they want to get in touch with you, if their school wants to bring you in? What are, what are the ways? And we'll put all this in the show notes. The number one outletting, goodness gracious, I don't know how long it'll still be a thing, but Twitter is a main source for us. A lot of coaches are there. So at Kip Ione, I-O-A-N-E, but also at teams underscore mint. That's the two, that's, those are the two social handles. We got a TikTok, we got a YouTube. Uh, and then the website is teamsofmenllc.com, teamsofmenllc.com. Any of those three, uh, you should be able to get into all the other ways you can grab us. But, you know, we're, we're building through July football, soccer season coming up in the fall. And that's hopefully going to be a, a great time for us at the start of team creating their identity. Hey, let's normalize this identity includes compassion and empathy for one another. Because we, we know when kids take the field, take the court, when they're free of mind, when they're free of stress and angst, they tend to ball out. So let's find better ways to, let's, hopefully we can help coaches find better ways to send men out there in joy rather than escape. Well, man, I am excited for where you're going next. If, if, I, if I, ever I work, the Million Mass Movement can serve in, in supporting those conversations, let us know. And um, thank you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mass podcast. Thank you, sir. Hey, folks, look, Kip and I, we share our mass here publicly, but you don't have to do it publicly. You can do it anonymously at millionmask.org, millionmask.org, and you can create your mask there. Maybe once you recognize that you're not alone, that what Kip and I are talking about, you probably experience some of the things too, that that you're, there are, there's so much more to you than anybody can see by looking at you. Kip, I own. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for being a Taking Off the Mask podcast. The Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie and graphics by Kelly Wong. Guests are managed by Dan Paloma and the podcast is edited by Samuel Matingo. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. And for every guest that's been a part of the show, you are now a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. The Taking Off the Mask podcast is brought to you by the Ever Forward Club. And if you like what you've heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share this with someone. We look forward to having more conversations that matter. And please remember, there is more to you than anybody can see by just looking at you.